Hello everybody and welcome to episode 94 of Link to the Cast, your weekly dose of video games and nerd culture ephemera. On the show this week, I remain current as hell by talking about South Park in the year of our Lord 2017, Mark shot some Nazis, also current, more loot box fun, and our game of the week this week is a game that combines slingshots and birds to make a license to print money. It's Angry Birds. Let's start the show. episode 94 from your friends at linkedcast.eu available on all your favorite podcasting platforms apple podcast soundcloud podcast addict or stitcher i'm your party host for this evening dave ryan joined as i am every week by the platforming prodigy that is mark robinson mark how are you my friend what's your favorite fleetwood mac song um oh jesus um the chain it's a solid choice it's, it's like i know it's the easy choice but it's the fucking chain yeah, it's also legitimately one of the greatest songs ever written. <laughs> um, um, yes, yes, yes it is. Um, I like that. I really like Rihanna. Rihanna? Um, well, Rihanna, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but Rihanna's not too bad. She's got a couple of songs like <laughs> Rihanna's Umbrella. Rihanna's not bad, yeah. yeah. That, that SOS. Manic's cover of Umbrella oh, is... I'll tell you what, woof. <laughs> Ten years old, that fucking, like, that song in that period. What? Oh, like, Umbrella was 2007 and, like... Manic's covering it would be around about 2007 as well. Uh, they started covering it in 2008 because I remember distinctly uh, seeing them in 2008 and uh, James introducing the song as Nikki's favourite song of 2008. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, yeah, Fleetwood Mac, great band. Speaking of SOS today, I was Tango actually, in the Night, good album. This is, Sorry, a, this is a really weird like tangent music cast now. Um, but speaking of SOS, um, another of my favourite songs of all time is SOS by ABBA. Because uh, it's ooh, because ooh, curve, ABBA, swerve. ABBA are like the, ABBA. I've always found to be the the masters of the um, banger, the 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 happy sounding song with the most nihilistic lyrics in the world. <laughs> yeah, and sure. like All SOS right. is definitely um one of those kind of songs, but. I, I was thinking about it today. I was in a place for lunch with Dan that was playing it, and uh, I, I I noted with bitter tears that there's a version of that song that I urge everyone to look up. I don't know if we've talked about it on the podcast before, but Portishead covered SOS for um, the film High Rise the, oh, with boy. the with Tom Hiddleston in it. That was like adapted from a J.G. Ballard novel. I, and let me tell you, if anything is going to capture the nihilism of Abba's lyrics, it's Portishead. I tell you what, you know how um, uh, every now and again a, a band will have a covers album like Metallica uh, Garage Inc. or whatever. <laughs> I'd like a Portishead covers album. because oh, yeah. But it's never, like, apparently it only got a, a man who's often mentioned on the show, Mark Kermode secured only like last week or the week before the exclusive rights to air it for the first time ever on UK radio they never wanted it released as a single 
or getting airplay or anything like that. They just they just did it for the movie for the lows. It's not even on the soundtrack to the movie. It's never been officially released. Huh. The only way to get it is by, um, shall we say, dubious legal means. Sure. Um, I really hope that it gets released. I would I'd pay any num- any amount of money to have that on a on a CD. How or fascinating! Ha- or to have it on my my Spotify. Yeah, yeah. How are you, my friend? Oh, speaking of Spotify as well. Oh, here we go. <laughs> here we go. Um. You'd be stunned to know. Like, I mean, you already yeah. are aware. Yeah. Like, so uh, Spotify have their kind of end of year list things where it kind of cl- yeah, gets every- all the information now, for what you've listened this, to throughout this the year. This hits the sweet spot that myself and friend of the show, Jack Lazell, have for just random stats yeah. about things you're into. Stats you never necessarily well, would to have be thought fair, of. Like, so the first thing it does is it's like, oh, so what is um, your most listened to artist of the year? Sip and, a beer for the working man, by the way. And uh, and Radiohead was on there. So mm-hmm. naturally, I did actually think, because I selected Iron Maiden, because I was pretty sure that I've listened <laughs> to more Maiden this year. But no. No, no you're consistent. St- stunning revelation Two of the top bands I've listened to this year have been The Manics and Radiohead. So yeah. there you I go. was pr- I was proud, and it's in no small part due to one Jim Sterling, that the second most listened to individual track of the year for me was "Chains of Love" yeah. by Erasure. <laughs> like I know I know you've listened to that song quite a few times. I, I just like listeners. I, I, sometimes I'll just like bop into the room here to Mark with chains of love blaring out of my phone because the top two songs i listened to do this year are uh every uh what is it uh, the coin has a say by every time i die and <laughs> there's gonna be every breath i take oh yeah that, and, that would have been a curveball every breath and I... moving by supergrass which is one of the best fucking songs of the 90s mm. um and i know i've listened to those two songs quite a lot this year yeah. so it distresses me how much you must have listened to chains of love this year yeah, I, I would say at, I'm at the, amount of mi- the amount of minutes of music I've listened to this year <laughs> relative to how like that finished so strongly in number two. Oh my word! Um, like because everything else is like a kind of you could say all right, okay, Dave would definitely listen to that stuff. Like uh, Bad Moon Rising is in my top five. Well, yeah, for I the year, to it today. Yeah, so like all the rest of it is like okay, yeah, Dave definitely listens yeah. to that. Chains of Love by Erasure <laughs> is the real fucking like left hook there, um, but. uh <clears throat> yeah, it's just getting to that time, the end of the year, where stuff All the is getting. Lists. Yeah, speaking of which, uh, yeah, <laughs> we're uh, plans are underway for our game of the year spectacular for this year. Um, behind the scenes, I have now compiled the the list of nominees based on we keep a tracking sheet across the whole year, uh, just to make things a little bit easier on me trying to get everyone's opinions together in December. Um, so they're closed now. It's locked what we've got in each category. Um, I'm looking at the agenda for it, Mark, and I already think like it's going to be an interesting show. Um, I think there's going to be good discussion. I, it's it was actually it's the first year, um, where narrowing it down to ten nominees per category was actually difficult in almost every category. Look, here's the thing, right? I I think it was fair to say that we had a pretty good idea what at least the top two would be last year. Mm-hmm. I think uh, it's going to be wide open this year. I, th- I I think I know what the top two are going to be. I don't. I I think I do just based on everyone who's going to be on the show that isn't you. Because I know you have one that's a real curveball for a top two. I don't really I think, think it's, it's a, your top one. I don't think it's, it's really not, a curveball. It's, it's not for you because it's a very Mark Robinson choice. No, but even even without that, I could see 
there's about four games off the top of my head mm. that could easily take those top two spots. I think yeah. there's probably one of which we're going to be talking about shortly. I, th- I think there's a probably definite number uh, one of those four that I think all of us will agree on. Yeah, but I don't think there's any of the like the 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 much vaunted games of the year that will make us angry if it wins. But that's the same like every year so far. So like the first year we did game of the year. Um, it came down to Witcher and Metal Gear Solid 5. And I don't think there was a bad choice there. Like, obviously, you disagree with... You don't really like... Both games aren't your kind of speed. In the year of Super Mario Maker. But I think, like, from... In an objective sense, you would probably concede that for the people who enjoy that kind of thing, they were incredible landmarks. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, Specifically I, I, The Witcher 3. I have no objections won. to that. Like, everyone then, I've ever met who's played The Witcher fucking loves The Witcher. Oh, man. So... Man, I restarted playing it. I'm on New Game Plus now. Still... <laughs> stuff goddamn psychopath um and then last year it was uh doom and hitman with hitman coming out and i don't think there was a bad choice there no I, I it was think, a real again, sophie's choice at both times was a sophie's choice like for the first year i was the deciding vote was it last year jack was and like i don't know a single person who didn't like hitman or doom from yeah. last year yeah, so. yeah. monsters yeah. that's who <laughs> but uh yeah so it's, it's getting that time of the year and it's also getting the time of the year where like um Pretty much anywhere with uh, retail units is pretty much inaccessible by human beings. You know, so I actually was in uh, Blanchestown uh, the weekend just gone, mm. which is, uh, for those who don't live in Ireland, it's a relatively large shopping yeah, area. Yeah. I, I would put it as like the the, no, the number three shopping centre that isn't in Dublin city centre in this part of the country. Yeah. So you've got this, Liffey Valley is a bit bigger again, mm. and then Dundrum would be the, the well-known one. And I think the thing is... Um, what helps Blanchestown is it's actually quite spread out because you've got one massive kind of shopping centre in the middle, but then you have a couple of sort of district parks that are just outside. You right there? Sorry, I just got an email from WWE that just the heading is NXT Wild and Young. Oh Jesus! <laughs> just crack me. Continue while okay, I recover. Cool. Well, you have that. Great. Right, that's going to be stuck uh, in my head now. That song is so fucking terrible. Um. But it wasn't that bad. I mean, it was kind of the first weekend of, of December. It yeah. Definitely, you know, all the shops are decked out for Christmas. Yeah. But it wasn't as bad as I was expecting it to be. Um, and we were there most of the day. This morning, I went down to the shopping center in our um, town, Whitewater. That's like, it's. I, I think it, it still has the, the distinction of being the, the biggest shopping center in Ireland outside of a, a, like a, a, a city area. They call it, like, Ireland's largest regional shopping centre or something like that, which makes me feel like, you know, that episode of Father Ted, it's Ireland's largest lingerie department, or so I understand. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we went down there at 10 o'clock this morning, mind you. Um, my I, on, on a Wednesday, I will help my grandmother with her shopping, because I am a, I am a good grandson. And um, this won't make as much sense to... Uh, people who don't know the immediate geography of where we live, but you people know, me. you know, when we turn out on at the crossroads to go on to Main Street leading into the town, yeah, yeah, we were stopped dead in traffic from there oh, at Jesus. ten o'clock in the morning. Oh. That's that's how bad it is cool. just here now. Cool. Um, and this Friday is is it this Friday? This Friday, uh, this weekend will be the weekend where you shouldn't be near a shopping center at all. Okay. Um, it's well, I won't be. I will the, be work, and then I'll be here playing Wolfenstein. The eighth of December for Catholics is the Feast of the Epiphany. It's something Christmassy. I'm not a big religion guy. It's the Feast of the Epiphany. I know that because I have. Sounds like a Metallica song. 
But what it's known for is uh, Culture Christmas, which is where all the country folk uh, come up to Dublin right. and bit heavily populated areas and do all their shopping in one weekend. That sounds um, awful. It's the kind of weekend where, like, if you're walking down uh, one of the busy streets in Dublin, if you, like, jump in the air, the crowd, the crowd would carry you several <laughs> feet down the road. Oh, damn. Um, yeah, it, it's poor. But anyway, uh, enough about Christmas. There'll be... We kind of talk about Christmas on Game of the Year and next week as mm. things encroach. Especially we got practice Christmas next week, mm-hmm. so we'll be all excited for that. But anyway, um, let's talk about some video games playing this week. Hey, check it out! I learned the baseline from Final Fantasy too. Scott, you are the salt of the earth. Well, thanks. I meant scum of the earth. Thanks, Mark. There aren't two sides. There is only one side. And you have been shooting the other side in the face. I've, I've with been, shoot, been shooting some rage. Nazis. I've been shooting some Nazis you're because playing, I'm not alright. Uh, to add context, you're playing Wolfenstein 2 yes. New Colossus. Yeah. Um, uh, so I didn't finish the new order. I think I got maybe two thirds of the way through. I would suspect you fell off it around the same point. A lot of did a lot of people did. There's a point at which in that game where it's before the story goes crazy because there's a point in both games where the story goes crazy mm. but in the first one there's a point where not a lot of story stuff is happening and all of a sudden seemingly out of nowhere the difficulty curve becomes a difficulty wall yeah like it just spikes um and that was the point where i was like okay i think i'm near the end of the game i wasn't uh, i think i'm near the end of the game um this is kind of a bit like too rough and choppy for me I don't seem to be making progression so I kind of fell off it then I came back a year or two later and finished it so I'm coming into this game not so much with the idea of wanting to continue on the story of the new order Mm -hmm. I am coming in more just off the back of what Doom was last year obviously it's different developers but it is under Bethesda and they are within the same vein of being um, reboots first person shooters based on id of, IP. you know, classic IP, as we discussed last week when we talked about Wolfenstein 3D. Check um, it out. Like, share, subscribe. Yeah, all that good <laughs> good jazz. Um, and so, I know that the game is going to have a bit of a different flow to it, different different feel to it. Mm. Uh, I think it, it starts well enough. Uh, I mean, I'm only a couple of hours in yet, so I've got plenty of time to go. You, you see what uh, everybody is saying there, but the start of that game, without spoiling it, does not fuck around. No, no. And I definitely think that um, to be uh, that kind of first-person shooter kind of campaign, mm. you need to have a, a strong opening. Make your impression. Yeah. So, Especially when you're a first-person shooter that doesn't have a multiplayer mode. Yeah. <laughs> so here's the thing. Um... I don't want to make too many comparisons to Doom, and, and I keep doing it, so, yeah. you know. We, we, we'll talk about why. But... Yeah, yeah. Um, I fucking love Doom, right? Yeah. Doom was my game of last year, yeah. and that was even with Stardew Valley being last year, yeah. right? I, I came out of Doom every single time, and I exhaled because I'm pretty sure I did not breathe for the four hours prior, yeah. you know? In in most other years, Doom would have finished my game of the year as yeah. well. Um, and I can see where... Wolfenstein is trying to do one thing, kind of similar, kind of not. They have like these points in the game to to sort of break the flow of the game up, where they have these kind of like stealth sections almost, mm. where you have to find uh, these two generals, 
Or, or I, I don't know if it's always two generals or if it expands. It's, it's sometimes one, sometimes okay. two. Um, I don't know if it ever gets to three. But... Yeah, so you have to find his general, um, because if you don't, he'll... And if he finds, or if the, the guards are aware that you're there, yeah. um, they will sound an alarm and more guards will come. It's kind of, in a way, the, the break in the gameplay, similar to the... What the hell are they called in uh, Doom? The bits where you explode the big fuck-off red thing, and then loads of demons come. Through. Oh, the Gornest or Gornest, something? that's yeah. the one. So... The, the, yeah, it's just a the, choke point. Kind yeah, of, yeah, yeah. Now, mechanically, they're doing two different things where you're trying to be stealthy with uh, Wolfenstein, where with mm. Doom, Doom, you're... The, the, it's, it wants you to... It wants it, you to... It wants you to hit the big red button. Yeah. Um, there's two issues I have with that. First mm. of all, Wolfenstein isn't really a game where you can be stealthy. But that said, the, the genesis of the franchise was a stealth... We talked about it last week. It's like... Yeah. So, I, I think... The, I, I can see the motivation behind it is um, trying to bow to the traditions yeah. of the franchise. But the the way the, the game is kind of designed and the way the game flows mm. uh, and like the levels, it, it doesn't lend you a hand to actually being stealthy. Not that I can see. Part of it yeah. might just be me not being very good at having the patience. But mm. I find more often than not, just within seconds, the alarms have gone off and I'm having to just kind of deal head on with that you may as well have just done it the doom way exactly yeah and so the flip side of that and the other issue i have then is that um certainly to begin with a lot of the enemies are just standard grunts Mm -hmm. whereas with doom and one of the famous things about doom is like every single enemy has its own kind of unique pattern and way to take on yeah and Wolfenstein doesn't really have that at the moment. It's mm. just, you know, just a lot of grunts to deal with. Yeah. Just pick any old weapon and try and clear through them. Well, there are definitely, like, as it gets in, like, it doesn't have as many different enemy types, but it does have, like, there's the there's the big armoured fuckers. Yeah, the, and I'm the sure it'll, they'll pick some up. Uh, you get Panzer Huns and a couple of other things, yeah. But I, I totally get what you mean. And, like, the one thing for me that puts this in the kind of, like, shall we say, the Champions League spots for Game of the Year rather than a, a knockout... Uh, number one or number two for me at the moment at least is that uh, there are a couple of things that don't come off quite well and one of them is the stealth thing um i I think it almost would have been better if they just hadn't bothered and you just walk into like now you can do it you make the choice to do it so it, it in some ways it's not that much of a criticism when you do have basically the option that you could just walk in and go loud the whole time yeah yeah, yeah. um and one of the things i appreciate that they have done with wolfenstein 2 is they've improved uh, your maneuverability and your dual wielding to the point where um you actually if you want to do the run and gun approach that you would do in doom you can do that mm. like you can just and it probably is better when things get a bit hectic that you much like doom never stop moving yeah um so i appreciate that but yeah the, the two things that that were kind of niggling at me about that game were yeah the stealth section is not being quite there for me and then the, the second part would be it's not something i experienced but it's something i t- totally take on board from what a lot of other people experience is that there's a couple of the the ruined cityscapes um manhattan and there's a couple of other locations later on in the game that i don't want to spoil um where it's not apparent exactly where you should be going because they've taken 
such great time to craft unbelievably like realistic looking environments which are brilliant like the environments are fantastic in it but they've done that at a detriment to what other games do which is make it very obvious which way you're supposed to go i don't want we we talked about this off the air i don't want a game that just all like i'm fine with it but i don't necessarily always want a game that goes hey over here stupid Mm. but at the same time uh, i've seen people like talk about how and i can understand from playing through the maps how you could get lost or turned around yeah people were getting that with doom last year as well but i I think i didn't get that with doom as such but that's just because uh, you know that's designed where um I don't know. I, I feel of, part of that. I think is that because Doom last year is designed so like, so like the philosophy of Doom one and two's design sure. that it, if you have played original Doom and Doom two, the way those levels are mapped out makes a lot of sense. To yeah. You. Whereas Wolfenstein is basically the name and the character, and mm. you're shooting Nazis. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So yeah, and I agree. Like, so I'm in Manhattan at the moment, and conceptually and the way that it looks and there's just the sheer level of debris yeah. you know it's it's pretty fucking incredible how it yeah. looks just i love the like the way that the like the girders and the walls like seem to twist because the for anyone that's played the, the first wolfenstein you'll know that they the, the nazis dropped an atomic bomb on manhattan so the city is complete it's a hellscape mm. um so yeah some of the ways they've twisted the architecture there um is is really cool yeah uh and i i do agree that at some points you're kind of wondering around like well where am i going i'm glad that it doesn't uh put like a pointer on the map like yeah. some yeah, have that, shooters do. there's a button on the d-pad that will do that for sure. you that'll um, point you in but the direction I, I, I appreciate that it doesn't you know bang yeah. you over the head it kind of reminds me of bioshock infinite in that way didn't sure. bioshock infinite had that button where the now anyway. bioshock infinite was much more hey stupid it's over here yeah, when sure. you press the button uh, and that um, game is a lot more linear, really, yeah, it, um, than, than Wolfie. Yeah, it's, it's big, but it's linear. Like, they're just big lines. Sure. <laughs> so, you know, as I said, I'm only a couple of hours in. Um, I do enjoy the, the character work. Uh, I do enjoy the uh, the story that's presented so far. And very much in that Doom way of just kind of grabbing you at, by the throat to begin with mm. and, and going and, with and it. The, and the balls. <laughs> and the balls, <laughs> yeah. Um so you know i'll see how i go over the the next week or so i presume the next time we'll talk about it will be game of the year year. Mm. um so it'll be that and i know that all four of us will have played it so that'll be good to kind of spin off and see what everyone else thinks about it it. it'll be interesting specifically to see your eventual take on it just because of the four of us you'd be the one who'd be more uh gameplay over story i'm 100 gameplay over story yeah the, the absolute the thing that separates this from the pack in a lot of ways is the story yeah um so it'll be very interesting to see where where you eventually land on it um but yeah it's a, it's a good game it's uh I'm, very I'm enjoy- and you're, ju- you're just about it. at like your uh, there's manhattan and then stuff starts to get real interesting there's yeah. the stuff from the you know this the stuff from the trailer where you get to see this kind of like man in the high castle version yeah, yeah, of yeah. america so, I, that's I, right after manhattan i, I will say because as you pointed out like i'm more gameplay of a story i i think what will probably be the thing that i i hang up on with it um depending on if how it changes at all is that where doom was like okay this is a, a kind of breakthrough for, for how kind of call of duty modern warfare was in the mm. um mid to late 2000s doom was like the next evolution for me of yeah. first person shooters it's almost an antidote yes rather than an evolution and wolfenstein 
while playing on the side more of Doom, it just mm. it. I don't think it's going to hit the kind of adrenaline peaks that yeah. Doom gets to. But at yeah. the same time, it's not aiming for that, and I don't yeah. ask it to do that. Mm. So we'll see how it, how it, how, it play, how it plays out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I've been playing um, South Park this week. A lot of South Park. Uh, I'm trying to get that out of the way. What, the South NBA. Park for the N64? Yeah, that indeed, classic. Indeed. Uh, South Park. That what first was, level it? that went on for like six hours throwing what was snowballs what and turkeys. The, what was the kart racing one? Um, it's on PS1. Oh my god, I can't remember it, but I actually really enjoyed that. Yeah, I seem to remember people liking that. I, I liked it very much because Cartman was the cop in it, the respect yeah. my authority. Yeah, I, I do remember. That was just South Park Rally. That was it. Yeah, that's um, so I'm playing South Park Fractured But Whole, which okay. is the new-ish. Um, came out like last month. Um, South Park RPG, <clears throat> developed by the new... It's not... Um, I can't remember the name of the people that developed it the last time. My apologies. Um, I know it's under Ubi, but um, they actually have their own South Park Studios now. And Probably the best way to do these things. Yeah, but it's still under the Ubi banner. Sure. Um, but I imagine the motivation is to churn out more of these mm-hmm. um, in, in quicker succession because the first one in particular was lodged in quite a bit of development hell. This one was lodged in a bit of development hell as well because this was supposed to be out last December. Uh, I had a pre-order down for yeah, last December. Yes, yeah. yes it was. Um, was that a case of if you, you pre-ordered it and then you got the original South yeah, Park straight yeah. away? And they didn't take it back off me when the pre-order got cancelled well, either. That would be a bold times. move to <laughs> do. It? Um, so, it's come out and here's the thing with me and South Park. And I've talked to, to Jack is a big South Park guy. Uh, and I'm not really now. Yeah. Um, you've, you've, on reflection. Yeah. It's one of those things where, and this isn't to kind of disparage anybody who still enjoys it i i find it hard to try and explain myself without sounding like i'm coming off as disparaging those people so forgive me if it sounds that way because honestly it's not um in much the same way i i am with family guy i feel like i kind of outgrew south park at a certain point yeah the things that i was in and and enjoying south park for aren't there anymore um I think the best kind of like critical um, deconstruction of some of the things I I feel about South Park now uh, were said on there's a Waypoint Radio from a month or so ago when the game came out um, where Austin Walker and Patrick Klepek uh, pretty much kind of hit the nail on the head about um, what they describe as quite harshly lukewarm centrist takes yeah we've, we've talked about that before yeah so like I don't like I have long winded reasons why I, I think that um, South Park isn't the, the transgressive revolutionary show so I've, I don't think I've ever really felt that I mean my thing with South Park at this point is just I just haven't watched it mm. um certainly the last time i watched it my kind of base level of humor with it yeah uh, my response to it was the same um i f- with me in south park i just i kind of take it for what it is yeah. and i'm fortunate enough that you know i'm a white male so mm. there's not really a lot that is going to be aimed at me that i can take offense to yeah um and 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 that's again yeah. I wouldn't say I'm offended by anything no 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 but I'm just there are certain things um, in South Park that just kind of like um, certain missed opportunities that 
kind of disappoint me or certain decisions that they actually they do go after thing x or thing y that also disappoint me mm. but that's just a matter of personal taste at the end of the day and like i said um friend of the show jack lazelle whom i respect the opinion of quite enormously is um a big fan of south park and more power to him for that like we've had several lengthy discussions about our kind of relative philosophies about the game but that's not what we're here for no sick of truth uh, i only played for the first time last year when i got the free ps4 port of it for pre-ordering this one hmm. and you know i enjoyed that game a lot more than i thought i would yeah um and i think part of it is down to the fact that a lot of the problems um not all of them but some of the problems i had with the show are kind of rooted out of the games because the way trey and matt write the show they write it on such short notice to stay really current with what's happening now when the show is aired but you can't do that with a game because a game it has a two or three year development cycle so they needed to pick a theme and stick with it yeah and what the thing with the the original is that they kind of just take the world of warcraft Mm -hmm. episode and but even though like the whole genre of the fantasy rpg but the thing i'm saying is that they root it in the idea of a bunch of kids pretending to be in a video game and this kind of rpg style game is attached onto that yeah and so like that's the kind of stuff that we grew up around like i wasn't until the witcher i wasn't a big fantasy rpg guy but just being in the game space as we have been growing up you gleam enough that a lot of the humor lands in stick of truth i think yeah absolutely um, so I was excited for Fractured But Whole because now they're taking on um, superhero franchises. And, like, you want to talk about something that is just everywhere now. So there's, there's rife room for, like, there are various extended jokes about their plan for a cinematic universe and giving you a Netflix show once this other show has debuted and stuff yeah. like that. Um, so I, I... Here's the thing. I have... I don't know where I land on this game. Um, I think it might be better than a bland game, but worse than a great game. So it may not get anything in our nominations. Well, how do, is it mechanically? Does it advance at all? Mechanically, I think it's great because they have changed the combat system entirely. It's like a grid-based, um, like it's not. When I say grid-based combat system, uh, some people might immediately think something like XCOM. It's not like that. Um, it's kind of almost like an RPG chess game. Um, now, in fairness, I would take a South Park-inspired XCOM yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. You know? If um, they're going to leave Mario, like, just go fucking crazy. Like, things you can do with moving around in this gridded space, um, I-, I think, has really added another dimension to how you think about the combat uh, in the game. Now, whereas I would say that I think in the first game, the combat was fine, but I think the combat, sometimes for me, I was like, oh, jeez, I just want to see the next bit because I'm actually quite enjoying this extended gag that's going on could we just get to that and get through the fight whereas in this one in in both ways good and bad i think the combat might be the best thing about it um so that's always a good mark of a game if the actual playing of it is a great thing and i really enjoy the combat in it um the writing in the game is decidedly more hit and miss i think than the first game um the stuff that that hits hits really well I think it's very good. Um, there's also stuff that... So we talked about Trey and Matt and their their urge to stay current. There's stuff that was definitely shunted in in the tail end of production just to try and 
like timestamp this as a 2017 game. Sure. Yeah. So there's like fidget spinner jokes and a couple of things like that. I'm just like, Ugh. and then they're like, there's stuff that's like old South Park references that are kind of. I'm just like there was extended references to these old things in the first game, and I was like, okay, that's fine, fan service. But I'm just like. I'm kind of over this, like, um, there's, uh, so far, I haven't beaten the game yet, but so far there's been one kind of, like, segment that refers to something like Mr. Hanky or something like that. And I'm just like, okay, Mr. Hanky was funny at the time. I was also 11 at the time. And in the first game, I had to, there's an extended segment where you're dealing with him and his family. So I'm kind of like, right, I'm past that now. What else are we going to do? Um... I enjoy some of the things they do, some of the the kind of takes they have about how, like, there's a message in part of the game that I really like, which is, like, no matter what box you fit yourself into, uh, race, uh, gender, sexuality-wise, like, assholes who want to beat up people for whatever box you're in, it doesn't care what box you're in, it just matters that you're different to them. So there, there are repeated segments where you go to Mr. Mackey and reconfirm that you are, um, like, uh, so in my case, uh, a male cisgendered uh, heterosexual. And you do that in three phases where you go in first and you're like, I, I'm male. Uh, because the options are, there's male, female, trans, gender neutral, I think are the, the options. Uh, and it's it's wild, firstly, seeing those options in a video game. Like, that's that's kind of wild. But, like, after each one, you come out and, like, um, Kenny's dad and, like, his hick friends, no matter what answer you pick, they come out and try to beat you up for it. <laughs> it's like, hey, that's that cisgender boy. <laughs> Let's get him. <laughs> Do you know, like, after every single round. Okay. And right. it's like... But like he's a like he's also a cisgender man and he's like it's clearly just like I don't understand your concepts and I'm gonna punch you for them. Okay. Like that I, kind of I shit. enjoy that. I so enjoy like that. and then some of the some of the jokes that have landed the hardest with me are just really stupid throwaway gags. Yeah. That are just kind of like dialogue stuff. It's not even references to the show or anything like this. So there's at the start or at the end of each day, you uh, rotate the control stick to change in or out of your superhero costume. Mm-hmm. And there's a bit where you have to change into it out, standing outside the school when everybody's left. Like, you look around, you change into your costume, and literally as you change into the costume, one little kid walks onto the screen, and he just stops dead and looks at you and just goes, that was really dumb. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so I popped huge at that. And then later, there's a callback to that gag where you do it again somewhere else. You change it to your costume. And as you're changing, the kid walks on, sees you, walks off the screen, drags another kid on, points at you and goes, wow, yeah, that is dumb. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, there's just, there's some stuff like that uh, I talked about on the the first show where I had started the game that I really enjoy. The the ham-handed segue they make between the fantasy first game and the superhero second game is basically Cartman just walking in going, no, everyone stop, we're doing superheroes now. Yeah. Um, I appreciate, like, there's, a, like, a lengthy side quest that involves the the gay relationship between Tweak and Craig. Okay. Which is, again, wild for a, mm-hmm. uh, a game like that, like... It's cool to me in some respects that, you know, there might be young people that they shouldn't be playing this game, but they will play this game and it will normalize the idea of a gay relationship between young people. 
that's cool. Well, um, I was going to say, like, how, again, how, how like, do they? Because considering it's as well, because they're it's it's Carmen South Park. Is, Carmen is such a like an awful fucker yeah. at the same time, and there's other characters that are just awful people. That you there's also a nearly equal amount of lessons that you really hope young people don't take from the game. You know, um, but yeah, it's it's well, how do, how do they just to to take an example of something that is hopefully for just people should be a normal thing now how do they take this gay relationship how do they approach it how do they handle it <laughs> they handle it like just a regular like bickering married couple that's fine that's the, absolutely fine the extended side quest is basically Craig and Tweak aren't talking to each other okay and you need to keep relaying stupid messages between the two of them where it's like well you tell him that he can't have that back until I have my hamster <laughs> you know okay that's, so that's great so you keep yeah. like walking you have to do like fetch quests all over the map for them and like they're just bickering at each other um, so yeah there, there, there's some fun stuff like that some of the stuff where they play with the superhero stuff is pretty funny if you know what's up with mm-hmm. the superhero stuff um, I will say that like the uh, like I'm a I, I'm, I'm cool with a dick and fart joke I am a child but the extent to which it is played out in this game sometimes I'm just like can we have a gag that isn't a fart joke eventually because like your special natural talent is that you're really good at farting and that carries over from the first game Mm -hmm. so like every kind of summon uh, that involves you being able to like there are these different special abilities that involve you uh, like being able to traverse the world in a way to get the secret hidden stuff that's up in a like on a high thing or in behind a like a, a ring of lava or something like that and all of them are based on farts. Of course. And then one of the, the mini games that's in every house in the game is a poop mini game. Where you have to do like different combinations of like rotate the control stick this way while tapping R2 and holding down triangle. Uh, that kind of a mini game. And like all the different poos have different names. And that gets really old really fucking quick. Um, obviously it's an optional side quest but still as a guy who would like to do the odd side quest to make sure that my character is beefed up it's still like yes I get it he's pooping you know um, so it gets a bit old but um, some of the stuff is like I said the stuff that lands lands hard the stuff that misses is just like um, I, I think the thing that keeps me coming back to the game like I said is the combat rather than the writing this time the combat has greatly improved um, but yeah um We'll see if that features anywhere on Game of the Year. I've left a spot open for it in the okayest Game of the Year award. Unless it goes absolutely berserk, I don't think it's going to be um, Game of the Year material for me. Um, yeah. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, shall we talk about the news, my friend? Oh, go on then. Let's do it. News on the mark! I think it's safe to say, Mark, that uh, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds is one of the breakout hits of the year from uh, Kildare Man Brendan Green. <laughs> I'm just, <laughs> Every now that I know now. that, yeah. I am just shoving that in anywhere I can. Um, one of the things that's that's craziest to me that I don't think we've remarked upon when we've talked about PUBG uh, the odd time on the show is how wildly successful that game is and there's only one map. Yeah. One method of well, gameplay. It's, it's an open beta. You know, like there's um, there's different kinds of like there's the team battle and stuff like that. But 
by and large, it's one game mode where you kill everybody until you're the last person or the last team, and it's always on the same map. And people still haven't got bored of it There's after a, a year. There is a wonderful simplicity to it. People were playing fucking... Um, what's that one level of Counter-Strike? Oh, dude, I don't know. There's there's the one level of Counter-Strike that people were playing like 25,000 yeah. years later. So, um, But we knew that they were working on a desert map. This was going to be the, the second unveiled environment. Um, and then we got a few more details. So after months of teasing, PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds has finally named its upcoming desert map and detailed some of its various locales. Miramar, the map's new, uh, the new map's final name, will offer a more varied landscape of locations and hotspots than the original Erango. Um, two cities, uh, Los Leones and El Pozo, make up much of the map's urban areas. The former will offer high-rise opportunities to hunker down, while the latter includes a luchador arena and motorbike ring, which is just, which is fantastic. Uh, there's also the small town of Pecado, which features a casino to loot for top-end gear. Um, they have a, a kind of like a a breakdown of some of the things here in the, the article from Eurogamer about the different areas in it. And uh, some pictures of the environment where it looks like there's like mines and cranes and a dock uh, and stuff like that. It's, um, yeah, looking forward to seeing how, how that works out. My thing I want to talk to you about is I want to get your uh, impressions or, or your opinions on where do you stand on Player Unknown Battlegrounds uh, standing as, as a Game of the Year candidate? If it arrives at 1.0 before December 31st, then yes. Okay. Now, there are people, because the game won't arrive at that status, status before the yeah, first as well, but there are people that are insisting that it's Game of the Year. I can understand where they're coming from, but the precedent has long since been set that the game has to have a retail release in as a finished product in the year that it's under consideration. Now, there are so many games that are coming out these days where they're out for however long, even before you know the concept of being released as a retail, like Kerbal Space Program, for, yeah. for crying out loud. Um, do you think at some point that will change? And if that does change, how will that? Well, here's the thing: like, how will I, that be set? I what don't agree be? with the idea of just changing the rules now because we really want to give some medals to player unknowns battlegrounds. <laughs> I think that's the wrong way to go about it. I think January first, twenty eighteen, is the time to have those discussions. Can early access games count? I think it's possibly a dangerous precedent to set because I think. Um, people will try and force their games into early access quicker to be under consideration to get that PR bump of being one of IGN's games of the year or PC game, PC gamer or anything like that. Yeah. Um, I, I would just because it's far more cut and dry and, um, you get really into the weeds really quickly. If you start trying to decide, well, if 1.0 isn't the cutoff, at what point do we decide, right, this game is early access, but it's developed enough that we can consider it. I mean, I just you want know, to point out that I am of the same understanding or impression yeah, that, yeah, it's, it's I, not released, I, it doesn't count. Yeah, I'll grant you, it's it's a tough one, and it'll be a shame, because if the if the game arrives at 1.0 in, say, January, um, I would find it very tough to see people 
going hard for it as game of the year December 2018 like unless this game continues to reach hitherto unknown heights of an active player base and it doesn't cool off well once it's actually on console because I think the mind share of people next year is going to be that unfairly they're going to think of player and sort of fairly because you can understand it in some respects they're going to think of player unknowns battlegrounds as a 2017 game even though it didn't come out in 1.0 um, when possibly. they're tabulating everything again, at the end of the year but again there's going to be so many people that will be playing it for the first time next year because it'll be on console mm-hmm. so um, it, it just it's it's a tough one especially because of when it will come out as a 1.0 game if it had come out a couple of months ago this wouldn't be an argument no not at all um, if it came out this week it wouldn't be an argument nope it's kind of fun like it, it reminds me of two years ago uh it wasn't a kind of early access thing, but it was a similar kind of quandary is that around the, the first week of December, two years ago, um, rise of the Tomb Raider came out and rise of the Tomb Raider was genuinely one of the best games of 2015. Um, I would have probably had a third behind Witcher and Metal Gear Solid. The problem was it came out pretty much right when everybody had already decided on their nominees yeah. there wasn't enough time for people with any sort of reasonable amount of social life or uh, you know a job or anything like that to blitz through it's, Rise of the Tomb Raider the, the pros and time. cons of releasing a game just before Christmas is that well the game is released just before Christmas it's a game people will buy for Christmas I, I, I don't understand it from a business point of view to me it's utter madness releasing anything after like the second week of November um well, releasing anything around Black Friday is insane. Or releasing anything like two to three weeks before Black Friday is insane. But partly insane, but partly you can understand that people are going, well, everybody's going to want, everybody's going to try grab this game on Black Friday to put under the tree for Christmas. Uh, sh- sure. That's, I'm sure, why they do it. Even though I, I do agree with you in some respects that why would you release it two or three weeks and then have to be expected to do a price drop? Yeah, I know, right. Um, that's that's tough. Like I bought Wolfenstein for thirty quid. Mm. I mean, but that game again. I talked to Gar Kidney about this on the tweet machine. Um, I, I think the expectations for Wolfenstein will probably be nice and low um, in terms of performance because there's no way would they have released that the same day as Assassin's Creed and Mario Odyssey. And no, thought it was going to do gangbusters. Absolutely, but it was still thirty quid, yeah. and that game has been out what a month. But there's like Black Friday is a, is a real fucking crazy thing mm-hmm. because um, there were games that really shouldn't have been reduced last year that were down to like thirty quid. Like I, oh, Titanfall two, Titanfall is the, two, I yeah. got for thirty quid. Um, but yeah, it's it's a really weird aberration. But yeah, back to the the player known battlegrounds. Um, yeah, if it's not one point in the the year in which it's supposed to be in contention, then it's not in contention. Well, I'm glad we could get that out of the way now. Yeah. Not that it matters because none of us have fucking played it. I would sure like to have, but it's not <laughs> on Xbox. No. And I like my PC, my tower PC upstairs probably could play it, but I'm not going moving around my entire entertainment system. Like that PC at the moment is disconnected and packed up for when I eventually have an office and can set it up independently of my big TV. Sure. Um, it's a PC, but it's not a gaming PC. No, it would be powerful enough to play that. But yeah. it it's not an active gaming PC at the moment. Uh, moving on from Player Known's Battlegrounds to the world of FIFA. Um, this is a really interesting. Thing. So we talked about how, um, by an overwhelming majority, even though it's not a thing either of us are into, Mark, that Ultimate Team is the most popular and the most competitive online mode that FIFA offers. Mm-hmm. The idea that you get these packs, you build a squad, and with that squad, it makes a squad of real players that you then play actual games of FIFA against people with. It, it's, I, 
in some ways, like, not to reopen the, the loot box argument. Well, yeah, but, we've already had this discussion. Yeah, but in, in some ways, I understand the appeal of it because what it is, is it's basically, rather than you being able to go in and go, I'm picking Real Madrid and automatically having just a great team, it's put limitations on you to try and build the best team with what is available to you. That's if you're doing it the right way and not just plunging hundreds and hundreds of dollars into um, packs. But anyway, because it's kind of the cash cow um, of the the FIFA community, balancing and competitiveness is really important to it. You'll know this, Mark, from your kind of line of work. Yep. That, um If there is a sense that things aren't balanced uh-huh. within the community and that things aren't fair... Uh-huh. It's a big fire to uh-huh. put out. Um, and it can lead to, it has in the past, like, led to dramatic reductions in player bases on different games. Uh, the idea that, well, what's the point? It's a rigged system. What's the point in, in playing this game anymore when people can just cheat? Yeah. Um, FIFA used to have that problem back in the day when people were able to rage quit games and suffer no repercussions from it. So the person who was winning the match that the person rage quit from wouldn't get the victory. And the person who did the rage quit would not only not get punishment, but they wouldn't even get the loss that they rightly deserved. And like these days, the one of the first things that um, journalists or people writing about a game will look at if it has an online competitive mode is okay. What is the the answer that you have for rage quitters? Because you need to have a, a mechanic, a system in place for people who use exploits and cheats and are just mean. Uh, GTA Online has come up with the bad sports lobby. Yeah, which I where, do enjoy. Yeah, where like you're basically put in the bold corner for I think it's I want to say it's 48 hours for your first infraction, where you basically you can only get into lobbies with people who are as awful as you. Yeah, so it teaches usually, you to kind of like be nice. Yeah, because usually it will just be uh like a flat 48 hour. Just you can't play the game. You know, there's a blackout mm. from the online mode, and uh, I. I mean, I have to use that for the games that I work on. Um, And, you know, players will come back to you and piss and moan. But the whole point of that being there is it's a way to say, hey, look, you've done wrong. Here's our policies we have in place for why you've done wrong. Use this time to go away, chill out, whatever. Doesn't really work because there's just the players are ingrained that way in mind. I really like that GTA have this like, hey, you can still play, but you have to play with the fucking worst that is out there as well. Yeah, it's basically you have to go and feel the way it feels to play in a lobby with you. So learn now, your lesson. Fairness, there you are know? probably some do, players who fucking revel in that. Do you know what they did for a while? I think it was on the PS3 version, and I don't think they do it anymore. But I've never been in a bad sports lobby. Uh, myself because I'm not an asshole um, mm, they used well. to they not that specific kind of asshole let's mm. say um, they used to put a giant dunce cap on you as well that you couldn't <laughs> remove <laughs> which was brilliant um, but anyway this past week this from Eurogamer has been uh, a rough one for the FIFA community Venger out uh, with disturbing allegations of cheating calling into question the legitimacy of FIFA Ultimate Team's most competitive mode so I have to explain now in this article uh, what uh, FUT champions is it's kind of like the elite mode of ultimate team um, foot I'm gonna, for short foot champions is FIFA's ultimate FIFA ultimate team's most competitive mode um, it requires you basically to play 40 matches over one actual weekend so it's for Which the absolute hardcore. I'm just <laughs> uh huh 
I know, I know. <laughs> I don't everyone have the words. knows. Everyone knows. I, I don't have the words. Do you know? But like at the same time, you would probably put forty matches worth of time into Stardew Valley over a weekend if you were left unattended. So for the people who are into it, it's like forty matches. Yeah, I can do that. No. And for the people from the outside, it seems like utter madness. And no, I love FIFA because the 40, thing is, 40 matches where you have to be online the whole time. No, you can't just pause and here's go the thing, tracks. There's no pressure on me to have 40 matches or hours or whatever you want to use as equivalent in Stardew Valley. There's no pressure I mean, on me. I mean, I've seen you on your farm and you you feel the pressure. Those no, props, there's no friend. pressure. That is all my choice. <laughs> um, top eligible players from that then from the, the Global Foot Champions Leaderboard receive an invitation to a Champions Cup. So, like, basically, the elite from that weekend of everyone playing 40 matches get invited to a cup competition then. Uh, the allegations of cheating hit the FIFA community when pro, pro player Krasimir Ivanov was accused of disconnecting in a match to avoid a loss. Under normal circumstances, quitting out of an online match in foot automatically registers as a 3-0 loss to the player who pulled the plug, which is annoying because then people who are losing by more than a three-goal deficit will immediately rage quit, so they only take a 3-0 loss. Anyway. However, it seems there is an issue with appropriately registering a loss when a player tethers their console to a mobile phone connection and disconnects the connection on their phone. The problem is highlighted in the video below. So basically, um, if you, rather than disconnect the computer, like as in turn off your PS4, if you are using a Wi-Fi connection that is like your, um, you're using your mobile phone as a hotspot for your connection. If you disconnect that, it doesn't register as you haven't lost the game. Yeah. So the match officially never happened. Um, some people, excuse me, some people have also, and this is more worryingly because the kind of people online gaming using their phone as a portable hotspot is probably not a widespread phenomenon. But um, some people have been able to replicate the glitch just by turning off their console in the middle of the match, like before the the loss is registered. Some mm. people have figured it out, but I, I think that might still be on the mobile connection. This this article doesn't make it uh, very clear. Um, earlier this week, a tweet from uh, Lenny Twenty One LFC, catchy name. Uh, showed a video of a match in which Ivanov d- disconnects from a game but still then upon uh, inspection retains his 39-1 weekend league record. Um, so this is poor. <laughs> that uh, I, I don't know because like, obviously this stuff needs to be done on, on the back end. This I'm not going to go into. This is a huge article that involves like statements from multiple people in the community that I could care less about. The, the lesson here is that the competitive mode that is the driving force behind people pumping ungodly amounts of money into this game appears to be broken in a very easily exploitable well, way. Well, I would reckon that EA are fully aware of this, and I would be stunned if that this isn't resolved uh, within the next week. It's a really annoying, like, specific thing on the back end to try and fix. Because there is a difference between having uh, an issue in a game, a glitch or a bug, that mm isn't game breaking is annoying and it does affect the player's experience mm-hmm. but it doesn't affect the entire like mechanics of how the game is played or the the, the tournament setup that you have in mind um and i'd imagine that a lot of these players are the saltiest of the saltiest so if they're aware i mean of, if you had put like several thousand dollars into an ultimate team squad you'd be pretty salty about uh, people I, glitching i'd probably also have no life uh-huh. um 
and so this kind of thing if they uh if ea want fifa to continue being the cash cow that it is they within the week they need to have this rectified mm-hmm. um i find it hilarious but <sighs> that's just me speaking of things to be found hilarious there is a man who is a hero among men uh called uh what's his name again adrian, adrian lester. lester from the u.s He's a Twitch streamer, and he <laughs> he did a pirated stream live on Twitch of the entire UFC two, uh, 218 pay-per-view at the weekend. You might ask, Mark, how did he get away with it? Well, he broadcast himself in the corner of the screen pretending to be playing the UFC game. <laughs> he had a controller disconnected that he was just playing, <laughs> pretending, while the actual UFC event was on in the main screen. If you click into this story... Oh, there's not. Oh, my God. Oh, there is, yeah. So if you click onto the story, there's actually video of him doing this. And it's 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 actually brilliant. Like, he, he properly... Is it real, like, performance art? Well, the thing is, like, if you were just looking on Twitch, you know where you see, like, the tiles of people playing? Sure. If, uh, if you were to look just at the way he was doing it, it's... Um, you you wouldn't you would just go past it because in a very small thumbnail image, it would look like that's what he was doing. Uh-huh. Like he was just, uh, I just I because it's it's one of the t- the two um, UFC related stories we've got this week, and I thought this was a very very funny one. Just yeah, he's at he the update to the story is that he is after getting a ban now from um from twitch for like 24 or 48 hours or something like uh, that yeah um but i would like to think incredible i would like to think twitch looks at that and went all right fair play yeah you kind of have to like demand like because those ufc events like i have stayed up for many of them on pay-per-view and they are fucking long uh-huh so like to be he's that really committed dedicated to the yeah, bit yeah, yeah. Like, is pretty great I mean, who is it um who is it who got fucking upcutted at the weekend um, uh, over him yeah I mean that yeah. pretty much might as well have been you know straight out Street Fighter so yeah. fair, fair enough Mark in a story that will tickle your fancy because it combines Goldeneye and speedrunning for 15 years American Brian Bosshart's 53 second speedrun of Is this the first streets? level of Goldeneye oh, first level. okay right uh, Dam has held fast over the weekend the dam burst eh <laughs> Jesus Christ Australian Carl Jobs recorded a 52 second run of Goldeneye's iconic opening level and he declared it the best run I've ever done in my life. I would go as far as to say the best run anyone's done in their entire life. 52 seconds. Uh, The video below shows the run in all its glory. Of note, Jobs spent much of the time looking at the floor or the sky. That's because it's faster to strafe continuously and use specific viewing angles to pick up speed in Rare's influential shooter. I presume that's because, like, there's less on the screen, so the frame rate is, like, maybe slightly quicker because it hasn't got as much on the screen. Also of note, you go even faster when you're shot in the back by guards. (laughs) The only problem is... (laughs) is uh with this is when playing an agent difficulty the guards are awful at shooting you yeah in short there's a very low chance you get speed boost at all on this run however jobs gets three speed boots from being shot in the back by guards which he mentioned in a post on reddit has only happened three times in the 250 hours he spent oh speed running my the game. god 
Jobs also managed to get a fast gate. That is, he got a quick opening gate. Uh, given 128 people have managed to hit 53 seconds on dam over the years, some thought it was actually impossible to go quicker. Jobs has proven them wrong. A clearly elated Jobs can't quite believe the achievement upon seeing his record-breaking time in GoldenEye's post-mission game report and breaks down in front of the camera, warning there are quite a few swears in it. Yeah, because the thing with that kind of speedrun is that it's not the case of the player. It is wholly you're dependent on that bit of RNG being on your side. And... There are players out there that are psychotic enough to play for 250 hours to get that one run where everything will fall in line. Mm-hmm. Uh, now there's... I can't remember his, his name, but he's popped up in a couple of Kotaku articles because he'll do uh, like 20 minute videos on a, a speed run on a particular game or a particular level. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he he's gone into really great detail about players you know from like the early 90s with like the first recorded video being uploaded online and the progression of that level speedrun or like game speedrun uh and if i could remember it i'd I'd say it um i've always said every time we've mentioned the speedrun on on this show they're one of the most fascinating things about Mm -hmm. video games in the 21st century just how you can just break games sometimes well it's how you can break gate or how, how a player can break games but how break the game but not break the game well yeah but just how a player can just dedicate himself to one game or yeah. one level it's or... a truly insane it dedication really is but God at the same them. time like, like them. i can't f- uh cr- critique them because for for me Still, the most impressive speedrun I've ever seen is Super Mario World. Uh, sorry, Mario World 64. Because what players do with Mario in that game, the way they get him to... Because there's less in the way of... This sounds very lewd. Yeah, it does. The things it? they do with Mario. In there's less in the Show way, us on the doll what they did with Mario. There's less in the way of glitches like there is in... Oh, there are glitches still. But there's less in the way than, say, like Zelda, where they break it and fucking finish the game in five minutes. Mm-hmm. But just the way that they move Mario about the stage and take full advantage of how Mario can be manipulated and, and how mm-hmm. he jumps and moves, uh, it's just, it blows my mind, you know? Absolutely. Uh, in a frenzy of Mega Man themed merriment, Capcom has unveiled a brand new mainline series entry for the Blue Bomber in the form of Mega Man 11, re releases for all Mega Man X games. And perhaps the the best moment for Mark Robinson, the long-awaited release of both Mega Man Legacy Collections on Switch. Now, to cut to Mega Man correspondent Mark Robinson. Will I? Will I? Yeah, you will. Buy both collections on Switch? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely will. Possibly. Um, Actually, no. Not to kind of make a pun based on the last story, but the damn for that concept of you rebuying games on the Switch completely broke when you caved on Stardew Valley this quickly. Well, I've only ever bought Stardew Valley (laughs) once before. No, actually, there's a reason why I probably wouldn't, because I don't like the D-pad on the Switch, and I'm not going to play a a Mega Man game with the stick. But the day you get that Pro Controller, it's all over then. Yeah, but I have fucking played the Switch for about two hours out of the... 150 hours I've spent on the fucking thing on the TV with um, well, the... you can play in handheld mode with the Pro Controller as well I ain't fucking bringing that thing about with me so nice. it is really good though um, I don't like the look of Mega Man 11 yeah it just looks it's like it's almost like you're really picky 
no, it's not that I'm picky. <laughs> it's just I know what makes a Mega Man game. And do you? Because Capcom haven't for a long time. Uh, well, they did about seven years ago. Mm. Um, because they went back to two D retro with nine Stopped and ten clocks and all that. Uh, it just it looks like a slightly more uh, prettier looking version of Mighty Number no. Nine. Yeah, I think the the key will be when it eventually comes out. Does it play well? Yeah, like, I think like obviously like I love the look of the original Mega Man games, but it's all about how the game feels. So mm-hmm. if the game doesn't look ideal, because you were saying that it's not your favorite looking thing in the world, um, but if it plays great. You'd probably forgive that a little bit. What I always find interesting, right, is so you got like the standard, the classic Mega Man series. So you got one through six, nine, and ten, which have the classic two D retro style, mm-hmm. and then you have uh, seven on the SNES, uh, eight on the Saturn and PlayStation and something else, um, and they just they don't feel right. But then you have the Mega Man X series, which isn't classic 2D pixel style, but it does, well, the, certainly the first couple that were on the SNES, they do feel right. They do feel like an evolution of the series without do, losing anything from the original. Does it feel, as a Mega Man connoisseur, that this game would be more at home being the next in the Mega Man X series as opposed to Mega Man 11? Um... I'm not entirely sure because, like, I stop after about Mega Man X3 because mm. they go real fucking anime with the story yeah. uh, in a way that I can't get on board with. Um, and also because, like, they go 3D and... Also, our weekly chance to say Dr. Wiley. Dr. Wiley, yeah. Um, but they go 3D and it's just, yeah, uh, I, I kind of lose it. I still, uh, my favourite, like, you thought this was a good idea going 3D is still Pac-Man. Like, really, is what Pac-Man needed a third dimension. Yeah. Like, that game, like, I don't want to say it hyperbolic. That game is literally perfect. The original Pac-Man, it's literally perfect. Miss Pac-Man is about as good a kind of twist on that concept you can get. Did you really think that putting, like, depth perception into Pac-Man is what it was missing? Like, Mega Man 64 is just garbage. It's just the worst. Um, I mean... (sighs) I'll probably buy Mega Man 11. Yeah. You know. You bought Mighty Number no. 9. I did. So you, you owe Mega Man this. I I guess I do. Maybe. By way of apology. Um, I'm happy to hear that they're re-releasing all the, the X games. I'd probably... Yeah, X games. Um, I'll probably pick <laughs> yeah. up... Yeah. I know, right, yeah. <laughs> Fucking Tony... Pony talk, man. Tony Hawk's running around with a <laughs> Mega Buster. Um, I'll probably get like X1 and X2. Uh, like Mega Man X, the original, is, is a great Are game. Are they releasing all the X games individually, or is I this, have no idea. Uh, the X collection? I, I don't know, because there's... I want to say there's eight of them, but... Like some of the latter ones, I imagine the files would be quite big because there's weird a... to sell as an anthology. Well, yeah, so it's probably like the first four, and then maybe the next four. I don't know. I, I don't know how they do it. So, um, a cool new thing that I noticed on the PS4 this week. Um, it launched on. It launched this morning, and I, I was picking up a game this morning that I'm interested in having a look at, and this was there for like two or three quid, and I was like. I think I might indulge in this just to round up the price because the, the the price of the game I was buying was a couple of quid short of being a nice round number. 
Sony have released a PS2 dynamic theme for the PS4. Ooh. It's the PS2 home screen Ooh, with the music hello. for like three euro. Oh my. And it looks and sounds awesome. It's called the Legacy Dashboard Theme. It hit the store on Wednesday the 6th of December and it will rekindle the memories of the PS2's iconic dashboard. If you have the theme, you get a fully recreated PS2 boot sequence, although you won't see the PS2 logo. According to theme creator Truant Pixel, the PS2 logo cannot be used due to licensing restrictions, which is weird. What? So the developers created a mid-boot Easter egg, which changes randomly with every login. Okay. What you do see, however, is the PS2's seven stars, which coalesce from random points to create the passage of time formations. Also included is the crystal clock from the original PS2 BIOS, which tells the current time. You can shift the color as well as trigger subtle shifts in particle speed and behavior. Uh, the original audio has been taken from the PS2 hardware itself and recreated in the background ambience and custom key tones for the theme. For comparison's sake, uh, they put a video in here. Uh, it's a real blast from the past and time to coincide with this week's release. And I, I thought I'd be putting this as an individual news item, but we'll get it out of the way here. Uh, this week also sees the release of Jack 2, Jack 3 and Jack X Combat Racing oh, cool. on PS4. Uh, I'm a big fan of Jack 2 and 3, yeah. so that, that might be something I want to um, pick up eventually. The PS2 came out in March 2000, November 2000 in Europe. I I dread to think how many actual literal hours I've spent looking at the home screen on the PS2, mm-hmm. but it's not it's not the, the PS2 that gets me tingly with the boot-up screen. It's still the it's original... It's womp. It, no. <laughs> Is it Because, like... I know it's become a meme now, but you know the like the celebrating when a disc works on the PS2 yeah, when it does the yeah. womp. It's like, yes. it's it's still the original PlayStation boot up screen. With the... yeah. um, See, PS2 does it for me because I didn't have a PS4. Yeah, that'll be it. Um, all I want to know is PS1 Mini Classic when and PS2 Mini Classic <laughs> when. Because keep dreaming. Cause, no, I'm sorry. Right, Sony have looked at Nintendo, and I'm telling you, if they haven't at least entertained the idea, they're fucking idiots. <laughs> Speaking of Sony, Sony has announced the full timetable for its 2017 PlayStation Experience event, due to be held and live streamed from 4 a.m. Saturday. God, it feels like there's one of these every couple of weeks. In now. the UK, notable occurrences include the first new showing, and this is quite uh, not interesting in a way that oh, I'm really excited for this game, but interesting in that I don't know what this game is. Uh, the first new showing of Media Molecules Dreams in ages, like oh. two years since we saw that game nearly. All right. Uh, as well as a chat with the cast of Uncharted and Last of Us Part 2. Sony readily admits that its biggest reveals of 2017 have already been shown at E3 and Paris Games Week, but it does promise a few stocking stuffers during PSX's opening event. Um, I reckon we'll get more of Final Fantasy VII. Maybe. Um, the the interesting thing for PSX this year is that they're not doing a press conference. No. Um, they're just going to have live streams, talk to people, and do a couple of announcements here or there. Yeah, I, um, it, so kind of low key sure. stuff. At least, you know what? At least we won't have to watch it. No, because <laughs> we'll just take the headlines afterwards. When there's press conferences, I always feel we have to watch them. I mean, to be fair, I'm I'm fine with the Sony ones because, unlike say EA, there's no fucking shoutcasters or you know, yeah, some influencer bellend on the screen convincing mm. me to fucking play the next Battlefield or something. <laughs> Uh, moving on from that, uh, we've got Deals Ahoy on the PlayStation Network. So it's Haven't December. Haven't even looked because it's just not worth it. It's December, which means the PlayStation 12 deals of Christmas uh, have gone live. And we've also got a two for 30 euro deal going as well. Um, returning is Sony's 12 deals of Christmas campaign, as well as uh, 
new two for 30 euro deal where you can get two playstation 4 games for 30 euro and there's some good ones in that list too the last guardian hmm. fallout 4 prey alien isolation uh are all on the two for 30 list the 12 ga- uh, deals of christmas meanwhile does not offer you a free game uh every day like some big electrical advent chocolate but a discount uh, the first discount is the Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy, which which uh, the editorial says here was rather good, uh, is down from £35 to £22. Uh, there will be a new deal tomorrow and then uh, every 48 hours after that until Christmas Eve when presumably the PlayStation Network will cave in under hacking again. Boy. As is the Christmas tradition. <laughs> I, uh, I hope Knack 2's on that list. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, Knack to the future. Here's one I was saving to the end. Just when you think it was safe to go back in the water, loot boxes are back. <laughs> I did see this. <laughs> so. Oh my god. UFC 3 is a game that's coming out next year from, you guessed it, EA Sports. EA uh, who are just why? doubling down on the loot boxing thing. Although I suppose it's probably too late in development now to have uh, shuffled that under the covers. I haven't checked out for a while our uh, nominations for the Konami Corner for Ineptitude, but I would be stunned if EA don't run away with this. I don't know. I forgot about some legitimate criminal activity that happened earlier oh, in the year. Right. Okay. <laughs> okay. There are a couple. Oh, like, was that the? I the... started off by like the literally the first thing I wrote on the list because every one of us had it was EA. And uh, then I, I started the, looking the at the nominees. CSGO thing. Was no, that, that was year? that was last year. Okay, good. That was last year. I don't want to spoil all the the nominees, right. but there is some literal heinous shit on there okay. that I was like, maybe it's not as cut and dry. It's the most recent, so I, my dander is still up about it. I'm sure it but has to be a top. Jesus, still, in a surely. lot of ways, it's been a really long year. <laughs> it's been a super long okay, year. Okay, I haven't looked. But, so what? What are they doing now? Are you at like the menu screen inside the octagon and three loot boxes drop on top of fucking CM Punk? No, it's worse. It's so oh, much it, worse. Okay, so cool. the um the beta for UFC three was last week. Um, people were playing it, and they happened to notice the the prevalence of loot boxing in it, and uh, to the extent where do you know the kinds of things you have to unlock in loot boxes? Um, to be fair, at this point, not really, no, because I don't play games with loot boxes. Punches. Kicks. What? Knees. What? Yes. To improve your fighting ability in UFC 3, you have to unlock better punches, better strikes, better grapples in loot boxes. It's like EA just don't want people to play their games. Yeah. Uh, first it's a first, really it's important interesting note, marketing strategy they have. Uh, Hold on a second. Uh, UFC 3 has a beta available, and some fans are calling it out for pay-to-win mechanics. The response has floated around the internet for the past few days via angry blogs and various sites. Um, now, in fairness, right, here's the thing. I will want to see this... Um, I will want to get uh, a journalist or an actual kind of writer's view in it, because I'd imagine that there is a possible chance the hyperbole is strong after the Battlefront 2, and I could see that... Um, you know, people are doubling down on on having having it larger. EA, I'm I will, sure. I am sure that I, I will probably because I know how you feel about these next words. Completely dispel your yeah. devil's no. advocate's argument in three words. Okay, go for it. UFC Ultimate Team. All right, sure, whatever. <laughs> Fine. Fine. 
just I, I fucking. Really, I really appreciate that you tried to stand and I thought, defend it. I thought for once I would try and be the bigger man and try and look at both sides. But mm. as you've said earlier, there are not two sides. There is only one. Would you like to... No, I don't. To, no, 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 just before we get to the game of the week, would you like to, as like a tease for game of the year, we could give away our Konami Corner nominees if you like. Uh, sure, why not? Right, because I just want to see your reaction to this because I think you've forgotten about some of the things that happened have. this year. Probably you know, by choice and subconsciously and whatever. Star okay, Wars right. Battlefront 2. Sure. That's kind of like EA as an umbrella topic. Almost. Uh, I imagine it's the most recent one and just EA in general. Yeah. PewDiePie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Alex yeah. Maurer. Um, the DMCA. Oh, the DM- See, that one is... That's just a really unfortunate situation. Uh, switch voice chat. Uh, it's not as bad, but it's, it's, not it's bad. definitely on there. I mean, that's just Nintendo. Warner Brothers attempting to profit from a dead man. Yep, that was awful. <laughs> Notch. Oh, boy. The Switch tax. Now, the thing with Notch, the thing with Notch is that is, that's not just this year, though. That's an ongoing thing. You know, you could almost make the fucking awards, the Konami Corner slash Notch award. The the Switch tax. The Switch tax? As oh, in the, everything being more expensive on the Switch. That's not ineptitude. That's, that's something else. It was, I think two people had nominated it. Including you. Oh, did I? Yeah, okay. you put down everything costing loads on the Switch or yeah. something like that. See, <laughs> see I'm o- I might have done that before How I... How dare you disagree with yourself? I might have done that before I got a Switch, <laughs> and then I realised I don't care because it's on the Switch, and I'll pay that much more. And then the hat trick of things that may kind of... Well, two of the three of them will probably put into perspective that maybe uh, loot boxes aren't the most egregious thing that happened this year. Nick Robinson. Oh, jeez. That fucking thing happened as well. Man, you forget just how much happens in a year. Colin Moriarty sets his entire career on fire, is exiled from the games industry, and becomes a half-assed Milo. Um, I don't really find that an attitude. I find that more hilarious. Oh, it's an attitude. <laughs> I suppose it is. But that one, for me, has a happy ending. And Neogaf. Um, yeah. Boy. I'd like to say that EA are still on, like, in the top three... Oh, because because some of those aren't ineptitude. Some of those are. Oh no! All these people are inept. Some of these are just really just egregious and offensive. <laughs> but EA have have found a special. They have found that je ne sais quoi that only Konami have had before. You know. By the way, I have for this year. I'll be able to as we introduce each category. I've gone back in time to my old show notes, and I found the winners in every category each year. So at the start of every category, I'll be able to say, oh, the previous winners in the category. So previous winners in the category for the Konami Corner Award for Ineptitude in Video Games. 2015, Konami in general. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and 2016. Long may they reign. 2016, and this is exactly how we had it written in the show notes. Oculus Rift, in parentheses, oh, yeah. Palmer is a fascist, uh-huh. other guy's a pedophile. <laughs> now, I don't know if any... Video actually, games! Actually, there's quite a few things in this list that are as bad as... Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. So, shall we turn to please, a just, happier tact just, and go to yeah, the, the game of the week? Just let's <laughs> move week. on now, please. Um, our link to Gas Book Club, where we talk about a significant game from the past that you either should uh, pick up for the first time if you haven't before, or revisit if it's been a while. Um, this week, Mark Robinson is going to take you by the hand and go into what is the the very Mark Robinson niche of the mobile space. I don't think this game is that niche. It's it's not that niche, <laughs> but the, the, 
The concept of bringing up a mobile game as a classic is definitely a Mark Robinson joint. That's what I'm here for. Uh, We're going to talk about Angry Birds. is a video game franchise created by Finnish company Rovio Entertainment. The series focuses on multicolored birds who try to save their eggs from green-colored pigs. Their enemies, inspired by Crush the Castle, the game has been praised for its successful combination of fun gameplay, comical style, and low price. Its popularity led to many spin-offs, versions of Angry Birds being created Money. for PCs and gaming consoles, a market for merchandise featuring its characters, a televised cartoon series, and a feature film. In January 2014, there had been over 2 billion downloads across all platforms, including both regular and special editions. As of July 2015, the series games have been downloaded more than 3 billion times collectively, making it the most downloaded freemium game series of all time. The original Angry Birds has been called one of the most mainstream games out right now, one of the great runaway hits of 2010, and the largest mobile app success the world has seen so far. An animated feature film based on the series was released by Columbia Pictures on the 20th of May 2016, and the first main series sequel, Angry Birds 2, was released on 30th of July 2015. Um, I haven't seen the film, by the way. Did you see the film? Uh, I have seen clips of the film, and it's trash. Okay, well, that's pretty much... I had to yeah. sit through several months of that being the like the on the pre roll for any film I saw on the Odeon was the promotion that you should bring your family to come see the Angry Birds movie yes, when it comes I do out. remember, yeah. Anyway, so that, that inspired enough enmity in me to never <laughs> even try. I remember um I had just gotten an iPhone and I was on the train I think either on the way home or on the way into London, which is about a forty five minute train journey. And uh, it was like the first time I was looking on the uh, one of the first times I was looking on the app store and just kind of seeing what was around. And I just remember that I saw this game called Angry Birds and it had like a free to play uh, a demo version of the game to play. So I thought, fuck it. I need some games to play. I'll give that a go. See what that is. Um, you know, I'd grown up playing handheld gaming uh, on my Game Boy, my Game Boy Advance. Um, I was well averse to the idea of playing games on the go. I like Pokemon. There you go. And that's Bill Pokemon. Bill Pokemon. Geography teacher. Big fan of Bill Pokemon. And I remember just I was down the train, and there it is, brightly coloured birds, and there was this kind of physics-based puzzler where you were launching birds into the side of uh, different kind of collectives of objects and buildings, uh, trying to wipe out these pigs um, to save your eggs. And that is pretty much the kind of the concept of the game through all of the different iterations and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I thought that it was like, this is, you know, pretty friggin' genius. It's very simple. Anyone can play it. In terms of touched base uh gaming it's still like it's it's a benchmark because it doesn't bother with virtual control uh, controls there's no d-pad no buttons it's just you 
literally everything there is on the screen to mm-hmm. manipulate, which is literally pulling the bird back and flinging yeah. it. Uh, and it's very satisfying to launch the bird, to use different ver- ver- variations of a bird, whether you want one that uh, kind of darts across the screen, the bomb, the regular, the uh, kind of like mini uh, pebble dash style ones. And uh, yeah, like that kind of nice blend of, of simplistic gameplay with a little bit of depth, but it's bright, colourful, cartoonish. And I, you know, I, I thought it was... It was a game that I, I played for quite a while afterwards, um, as other games like Cut the Rope would come and go, and Temple Run. Um, I would yeah, keep coming. Back, I would keep coming back to Angry Birds. So for me, um, the kind of where Angry Birds comes into it for me is the moment at which I was kind of like there was a conscious part in my brain that went, "Oh, we're doing actual games on phones now," because like the thing for me. And for a lot of people, before this explosion of games on a phone, was that you associated games on a phone with, like, Snake back yeah. in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, as uh, I would like to describe it, being Irish, Snake. Snake. Playing Snake back in the day. And thinking that Snake 2 was revolutionary, because you could go out one side and come back in the other side. Blew my fucking mind <laughs> that a phone could do that. All right? So that's that's where phones were for me. And then there was the hideous misstep in history that we should look at someday on the show that was the Nokia N-Gage. I was about to say, and Mother I was hoping that's where you were going for. I, I still to this day have never seen one in person. I had an old girlfriend that used to have one, and she had Tomb Raider on it. And Is let that me tell why you, you broke up? <laughs> no, no. I mean, we broke up because she had funeral for a friend as a ringtone. Um... But I, I I like the way you basically went. No, I wouldn't break up with somebody for a reason that fickle. It was because they had funeral for a friend as a ringtone. I'm, I'm glad. Them. I'm glad you got the joke there. Well done. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I played Tomb Raider on the Engage. It's terrible. But anyway, it's way ahead of ourselves. So, um, I wasn't associating mobile phone gaming with that much quality yeah shall we sure say. that's fair enough and, and in, t- in fact in some ways we've gone full circle on that yeah yeah and in some like I, at some point i saw it must be my little cousin james who i saw playing this game that i think the immediate thing that strikes you is how the game looks it looks like a cartoon the, the the colors just explode off the screen the strong uses of like uh, red and green and blue just really like it's just like a Saturday morning cartoon with all the bloom that comes out of the screen and that's the thing that immediately grabs you mm-hmm. and to that point I think um, you'd seen mobile games that kind of like you said uh, this game had everything you needed on the screen which was a thing you a lot of people struggled to figure that out when it came to this era of phones that don't have buttons on them this may blow the kids minds Mark but phones used to have buttons mm-hmm. and not just a home screen and a power switch and they were actually used for calling people indeed um so when we moved into the touch screen uh, there was a kind of design consideration in there that you can't like use the number buttons on the phone to direct yourself around or anything like that you need to figure out how you're going to control with a touch screen and there have been a lot of really really poor um uses of that in as much as like there were there were some games i played on on mobile devices that 
basically half the screen was taken up by a controller that they had put onto the screen. Um, certainly a lot of emulators for mobile phones are guilty of that. Um, so when I saw this, that it's literally just as, like, one of the the beautiful things about Angry Birds is that an idiot could figure out how to play this game in five seconds. Yeah. If you want to drag the bird back, you take your finger and drag the bird back on the screen. It's really simple. The, like, the, the kind of, like, the, the line that delineates the trajectory is put right there. So there's no real guesswork like there would be in, in other games as to where it's going to land. You know where it's going to land. Um, and just it being based on, like, taking apart some contraptions uh, with the birds that are flying uh, being based on very simple physics that anyone could understand also really helps. Yeah. Um, but, the, yeah, that's where I, I came on board with Angry Birds anyway and I wouldn't claim to be someone who has played uh, many Angry Birds games but I did have the original Angry Birds on my phone and I played it quite a bit um, but I don't think even I fully grasped how much of a phenomenon it would become uh, no no I you know Angry Birds has become one of those things that genuinely is like a mainstream franchise now we're very much in the bubble when it comes to video games so a lot of things that we think of as being uh big um outside of the bubble when it comes to video games Mm -hmm. isn't always necessarily that way like i don't think metal gear solid is as big and as widely known to the outside world in the way that it should be it's (laughs) that a thing like angry birds is you know, mm-hmm. when you think of video games, and if you think of mainstream media... You think of Mario. You think of Mario. Pac-Man. Pac-Man. Um, GTA, probably, at yeah. this point. Uh, and Angry Birds is legitimately on that list. And now, at the time, back then, it was it was just the fact that this game had uh, exploded. Mm-hmm. Partly due to the visibility of it on mobile... Um, which, you know, mobile gaming was a thing that exploded at the same time. They kind of went hand in hand. It was like the Hulk Hogan to the phone's Vince McMahon, you know? <laughs> okay. I That was off the top of my That's, head, right? Yeah. And I think it's quite poetic. Uh-huh. Anyway, um, one needed the other, you could say, maybe. Um, but, like, even just looking at Wikipedia... I want to see, like... A gif of an angry bird looking up from under the ring apron with a bloody <laughs> face and a maniacal smile now. <laughs> but just like just here looking at the Wikipedia page for Angry Birds, there's a fucking cookbook. Yeah. There's Oh, the... it's just like it's one of those things where I think the only other game from this era on a par with it in terms of just being merched out the ass is Minecraft. Oh well, yeah, sure. There is Angry Birds everything yeah my little cousins have angry bird clothes they have had in the past angry bird school bags just angry bird everything yeah um there's activity books national geographic books there are comics there's the film there's the animated series and then there's all the fucking video games and spin-offs and compilations Mm. um you know, there's the mobile cart, uh, the the carting game. Um, there's the Star Wars themed game. Mm. It, it's insane. It's absolutely insane. And I hadn't really realised it was as insane um, yeah. as that. 
but that's like the the kind of the the modern apparatus uh, of the entertainment industry that the availability is there to strike and strike hard while the iron's hot yeah um that like as ubiquitous as mario is if mario had debuted in this climate it would be sickeningly everywhere mm-hmm. you know um but yeah the, the angry birds thing and it's an all ages thing um it's a it's a thing little kids play and they get super into they get all the gear they go to see the film they bug their mom about the game all that sort of good jazz but then for older people like there is an appeal in it and there is a kind of you're sitting on a bus uh you're on the way to work and you've got i don't know 15 20 minutes and you just want to do something that's basically chewing gum for the brain um, so you crack out Angry Birds yeah. and you play a little. And here's the thing, like, even though Angry Birds has now gone past me, you know, it's it's so, mm-hmm. so above and beyond, um, I still can look back at that original and I can still look back at the concepts of Angry Birds and I can still say with confidence that it is a great game yeah. in its simplicity and its, in exec- its execution. Mm-hmm. Um you know, it's one of the the first games that I remember that used the three star system, um, or oh yeah, yeah, which is now just kind of like that's pretty much it's mandatory. Just accepted. It's just it's mandatory in a mm. mobile game that if you have any kind of point scoring system from level to level, that you will have a three star star system. Mm-hmm. Um, it was that, and it was cut the rope. That were, you know, the first two games I remember that did that did that. Um, not that that's in like any way a kind of revolutionary thing, but it does all go back to Angry the fact Birds. that it's become accepted practice. Now. Yeah, it just yeah, goes yeah. to show the the kind of the lasting effect that the, the game has had for sure. Um, yeah, it's just, and I think part of what makes it so rife for um, spin-offs and adaptations and merchandising is the fact that. It is such a simple core concept. It's hard to fuck it up, you know. So you can tack on Star Wars to it, and it doesn't mess with how the game works because no. mechanically it's so sound. Yeah, it's kind of in a similar way to when that first Lego Star Wars game came out, and it hit huge. Well, they've just been reskinning that fucking thing for years now, basically, and they're <laughs> doing be- they're doing better engines, and like there are games that are better and worse in in the the Lego space because sometimes you get a team that actually has a really cool idea of what to do with the intellectual property but the core mechanics of in like what each button does and what the games basically are hasn't changed since the ps2 uh, and that's the thing with <clears throat> with angry birds they hit on the core concept straight away and i had it down so well that it again like i said it's, it's hard to screw up yeah um and looking at like Rovio as a company, um, they've been smart with Angry Birds in terms of the marketing of it, mm-hmm. but also in terms of um, making sure the game is accessible and functional. Um, like, looking through here, one of the things that they did that I don't even see with a lot of games that I either work on or or, or know about, um, they made sure that if you're logged in on one Android, Android device that you can immediately log into another Android device and you could continue playing. That's not a thing that happens. Usually, if you play on one device and want to play on another, you have to like transfer that data over, which mm. is not an easy process. Um, you know, I think Rovio have 
been very very smart over the years of just making this the biggest fucking thing and mm-hmm. again on a par with minecraft minecraft yeah. is the only thing that's probably a bigger deal and they did this with a casual game because angry birds is a casual and, game and that is like whether you're intentionally trying to do it or not that is the way to tap into the real big money is be a game, like a casual game and not in as much as that it's barely a game but in as much as people who don't live and breed video games can get the concept quickly and want to play it yeah and like for me at this point like when i think about what a mobile game is i'm now so skewed by just looking at the front of the app store and seeing every variation of clash of clans or or uh, clash royale whatever the mm. fuck they are um and i forget that there was a time where mobile, mobile games were doing something different Doing different different things to the the main uh, uh, console uh, space AAA gaming space, uh, and you had these smaller companies just doing these weird and wonderful things. And even though you could look at Angry Birds and put it on the level with like a pop cap as like a casual game, I don't think that would be necessarily fair to it because, like, Peggle. For as much as I love Peggle. And it's been a book club feature of ours. Mm-hmm. There's not really a lot of skill involved with Peggle. You just no. kind of aim it in a direction and hope for the best. Yeah. With some of those latter, they latter uh, Angry Bird levels, there is a bit of luck involved. You got to mm-hmm. hope that the physics works in your favour, but you still need to be able to aim the fucking thing in in the right direction and and you know fire a, a bird that then boomerangs round like underneath part of a rock or something. Yeah. Um, and so there is gen, gen, genuine uh, difficulty and, and frustration to be had, but it's the good kind and with good level design, uh, clever mechanics. And yeah, like, I honestly, the whole time we've been doing this, I hadn't thought of Angry Birds as uh, a, an addition for the book club. But I think it's as worthy as any other game we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, culturally and uh, just its place in the kind of grander echelon of, of video games yeah it belongs on there it really does give me your pitch uh if you have a mobile device a smart mobile device you probably already have this. you probably <laughs> already have this or have played this at some point um but i think actually i'm gonna have a look and because there's probably a free-to-play version i might go and jump back in and just remind myself um that anger Bros is a really good game mm-hmm so absolutely is that's me we've got one last bit of business on the podcast and that is to talk about what is going to be what i think will be our last book club of 2017 it would probably be the case um because let me think two weeks yeah it probably will be so our last book club of uh, 2017 will be on episode 95. And uh, I'm not going to go too far back, Mark. Mm-hmm. Just 11 years. I'm going to 2006. And I want to talk about a game that uh, if you're a person who is alive, you've probably played this game. And less for what an actual mechanical classic it is and more for just its utter ubiquity I, I think it is very very worthy of inclusion so on episode 95 of link to the cast mark we are going to talk about a game called Wii sports <laughs> oh 
Oh, all right. I'll hit you there. Okay. I'll hit you. Yeah, it fucking, it belongs as much as Angry Birds does. Yeah, absolutely. So that's going to do it for episode 94 of Length of the Cast. This podcast is available on SoundCloud, iTunes, and most podcasting platforms. Just search for Length of the Cast, subscribe to us there, rate, review, Oh, I have the Wii shopping channel music in my head right now. Make sure, while you hum to yourself the Wii shopping music, that you... Tell a friend about the podcast. It really helps. There's people who have been recommending the podcast a bit around uh, the social media the last couple of weeks, and it's helped uh, very much. And we do appreciate every single person who uh, preaches the good word of the cast. The website is linked to the cast.eu. That is where you can read the show notes and things like that for the podcast. If you want to get in touch with us, drop us an email linked to the cast at gmail.com. Social media facebook.com forward slash link to the cast and at link to the cast on twitter those are probably the best ways to get in touch with us quickly and to keep up with uh, the latest content that we are providing for you i am at dave ryan iv and mark is at lithium project we stream over at twitch.tv forward slash link to the cast on occasion but it's been a while and archive them later on youtube just search for link to the cast on there there's plenty of uh, archive videos up on that youtube channel uh, to keep you sated uh, before we eventually at some stage maybe possibly go back into the the twitch streaming biz um that is going to do it for episode 94 of link to the cast i've been dave ryan the man across from me has been mark robinson we are tired we will see you in a week goodbye